we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't call it this quickly. We'll wait. Just Excuse shut the f up, Faith like Vincent. Hanging around the dugout anyway. I'm talking to a great pitcher about his no hitter. Sure, Randy Johnson. Back up to Jack. See you, fellas. Well, while we're waiting to resume here at Wrigley Field, let's look in as William Shatner hosts two real-life stories of uncommon courage and compassion on a special episode of Rescue 911. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 288, Submission 2120, the episode of Rescue 911 that aired during the 1990 MLB All-Star Game Rain Delay. The episode of Rescue 911 that aired during the 1990 MLB All-Star Game Rain Delay was the 15th episode of the first season of Rescue 911, and it originally aired on January 2nd, 1990 on CBS and then was aired the night of the MLB All-Star Game on July 10th, 1990. So if you were with us on our last episode, we talked about the 1990 MLB All-Star Game, how both leagues were stacked with talent, how Ernie Banks just made it a game to remember, made us want to play too, if you think about it. Where's the dip? But then, at around 9.55 Central Daylight Time, Ed Montague, the home plate umpire, called for the tarp. Uh, this was a key moment. Uh, this was top of the 7th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because we mentioned top of the 7th, because right after this was the Julio Franco double. Yeah, they were on the verge of scoring that run when... Ed Montague at 9.55 Central Daylight Time said, Obviously, you can't see this, but Chica on Skype is doing the signal to put the tarp on the field. And the tarps were put on the field. Now, Greg, Mike, and I have been to a lot of baseball games in our time, and we've seen a lot of brain delays. Usually, they would last, oh, 10, maybe 20 minutes. Half an hour at their very worst. This one lasted just over an hour. Oh, okay, that's I thought, nothing. I thought that was two hours. Okay, it was an hour. Just over. Yeah, an hour is an hour is nothing. Uh, just about seven years ago, Jason Hernandez, friend of the show, and I, we spent about three hours in a rain delay in Pittsburgh at PNC Park. Yeah, but Ooh. hour-long rain delays. They're not common. Uh, you've never been to Cleveland, apparently. Mm, no, but I bet you have stories. Well, no, just this season, they've had, I think, thus far, seven, maybe up to nine games that have been postponed due to rain. So now, like last week, uh, we had a five-game uh, series with the Twins with a doubleheader. And then uh, this uh, this week, by the time you hear this, there will be another doubleheader with the Twins uh, here in Cleveland, I believe. It's a real mess. The Guardians have like five or six games to make up, and they've got a number of five-game series this, 
uh, throughout the rest of the season uh, because of of, uh, of rain. It has not been very kind to us weather-wise, at least until recently. But okay, what are you going to do if you're CBS? You have to put something on the air, right? Yeah. I mean, let's see. Murphy Brown, no. Um, Designing Women, no. Oh, hold on. I know the perfect thing that they can air during the rain delay. Rescue 911. I don't know who made that decision. I don't know why they made that decision, but that's the decision they made. That's the decision they made. But Rescue 911 was in its first season, and it was a mega hit for CBS at this time. Yeah, that's the reason you put it on. It's a mega hit, first season, and you got Shatner. Yeah, everyone loves William Shatner. I mean, come on. What does God need with a starship? And in fact, as we're recording this, hold on. This is CNN Breaking News. They announced recently on Paramount Pictures that they will be coming out with the um, Star Trek, the motion picture, the director's edition, in 4K Ultra HD, they've announced all the extras for it for September when it's released physically. Because as me and Chico, we already did a show when it was released on Paramount Plus back in April. But they're not only releasing that, but they're releasing a collector's edition for Star Trek The Motion Picture and the director's edition. A three-disc collector's edition box set, including the special longer version of Star Trek The Motion Picture, which is the 1983 ABC TV cut with 13 minutes of extra footage. Which would have been a normal thing back then. Yeah, because they would extend movies for television all the damn time back then. With, like, deleted scenes. And there's, like, this one deleted scene where, like, Kirk is looking for Spock that was included on the network cut which has obvious, when you watch it, like, 4 by 3 you can't see it. But in 16 by 9 you see, like, all, like, the wires and the wood that you can just tell it was made on a set. And they didn't bother to change any of it. But I'm told, like, in the um, 4K release, they are going to, like, correct that scene finally in it when it's released in the collector's edition. So that's a relief. I'm hoping they release it digitally because I think it's only going to be like in a limited amount of uh, editions for that three disc set. So I hope like they'll release it digitally on like iTunes or whatever. So, but they are releasing that and they're releasing a six movie collection of all six original films in 4k ultra HD. So finally, you could have a 4K Ultra HD box set that has Lawrence Luckinbill on it. That's going to be released concurrently on Paramount Plus, I imagine. Yes, but it's also going to be released for Star Trek Day in September, which, of course, is the anniversary of the first airing on NBC. In so, by that, so by that, you mean corporate Star Trek Day. Corporate Star Trek Day, Everybody yeah. knows the real Star Trek Day is April 5th. Well, obviously. Everyone because knows. April 5th, 2063, 
62, I think, wasn't no, it? No, it's April 5th, 2063. Oh, okay, it's 2063. It's April 5th, 2063, which is 41 years from now. Zephyr Cochran makes his historic warp drive flight, and we get visited by some uh, Vulcans. Wait, hold on a second. We're going to be talking about James Cromwell in a few weeks. Not saying anything. I'm doing the Ron Glass. Let's get back to the subject here. 1990 All-Star Game is rain-delayed, so they put on Rescue 911. So, I guess we should watch this episode. Eh, Sure, why not? We did mention it's the 15th episode of the first season of Rescue 911. So, here we go. This program contains true stories of rescues. All of the 911 calls you will hear are real. Whenever possible, the actual people involved have helped us reconstruct the events as they happened. Arnold Shapiro, executive produced six or seven seasons of Big Brother. At any time, in an instant. Any one of us can be plunged into a life-or-death emergency, and we may be miles from any help at the time. I'm William Shatner. Tonight, two yeah, stories are. of people in danger and the men and women who come to their rescue. We begin in western Washington on August 17th, 1989. The basic job is to do a lot of engineering work for companies on foot and dams and groundwater checking, things like that. It's safe. With another co-worker, 25-year-old Arnie Mullen and Tim Cummins were working together that summer. The two had been friends since childhood. It's our first day at this actual site, and basically what we're doing was seismic refractions along the creeks. You set off an explosion, sets a series of sound waves. So he's basically back. doing some fracking then. then. Yes. To a certain extent, what's down below the ground. It's rock or it's like, you know, mud or whatever. When we have our explosive, we have a, a cap and we hook it onto our own uh, stick of dynamite. And you hook it up to a battery on one end, you know, you hook it up another end, you send a charge through, and the cap blows into a stick of dynamite. Clear. We've done about four charges on the line. And my job is to, to clear the way to put in the seismic line. And Arnie's job is basically to handle the explosives. Oh no. Oh! Oh! 
Barney just blew himself he up. Barney. He didn't yell. He kind of moaned. It was it was pretty bad. His um, left hand was totally gone. His um, eyes were in the back of the socket. With big triangular part of his ear was This has got to be one of the darkest things we've ever covered on this podcast. And basically turned into a compress. Um, I was lucky because was a there was bleeding say, maybe 40% of the arm. So but there was a lot of heat. So there was a lot of cauterization. The dynamite had somehow exploded in Arnie's hand. Now the first thing that went through my mind was um, I didn't want to lose him. Well, we'd done too many kid things and growing up together. It's like losing someone that's almost closer in your family. The radio wouldn't reach far enough in the mountainous area, and they were 15 miles from the nearest town. So Tim left Arnie in the care of their co-worker while he ran to get help. We went up a quarter-mile trail we basically built. It was really rough. I was almost mad and away. I said, you can't leave me. This isn't real. I don't want this to happen. Oh, jeez. tried to lock. It takes a couple minutes to lock. They're kind of older locks. And they, they just weren't, they weren't doing oh, yeah, it. Yeah, that's an old-ass VW bug he's got. Yep. Well, yep, that'll do it. He broke into his own car. Why? When you're trying to save someone's life, you gotta do some desperate things. I drove things. as fast as I think he'd go. True. Honking my horn all the way, just trying to get anyone that was up there. And all I was thinking about is, go, Arnie, I gotta go as fast as I can every second. That you know, could be his life. When we continue. I said, I want this guy on a spine board, and I want to get him out of here now, because the next set of vitals was getting lower. I have this love-hate oh, cool. relationship. We can watch the, the original commercials, too. In the freezer, I love it. In the microwave, I love it more. But this, this is the hate part. Uh, Look uh. at the grease. It's glued on like bad wallpaper. Will I have to trash this? Not with Don, I won't. Oh, Even on liar. Plastic, I know Don will yank off the grease and get it out of my way. Liar. You plastic, you hate grease, you need Don. I have nothing else to say. Don takes good out of your way. Even on plastic. Liar. Now, when you turn on your dryer. Turn on the sunshine. Turn on the freshness. Introducing Sunrinse Downy Dryer Sheets. So airy light, so sunny fresh, it's like Ooh. hanging your wash you in the sunshine. You know, sounds like Alan Falter to me. Sunrinse Dryer Sheets. You would have been busy doing ads for sports channel from America that gives you fluffy softness, too. Turn on the sunshine freshness. New Sunrinse Downy Dryer Sheets. Come on in. Friday. Get ready for a new summer series. By yeah, the dog surfboarding. See the premiere of Primetime Pets. Then it's lights, camera, contractions. I can see our baby. I can see a two-step. I see, I see a little bald head. That's the doctor. Oh, oh. baby's a doctor. On New Heart, all Friday. This had better oh, be George Kennedy. Get ready for a whole wagon load of stars in our rip-roaring, gun-slinging adventure. Bruce Boxleitner, Linda Gray. What? Oh, we don't, we don't talk Stockwell, about that. Melanie Charles and can. George Kennedy join Kenny Rogers in The, the Gambler, Gambler 3, 3 Sunday. The Gambler. There was, that was uh, USA the last one made, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the Gambler. Okay, let's get back to this. It had been 30 minutes since the dynamite had exploded in Arnie Moen's hand. 
and his friend Tim Cummins found someone who could call for oh, help. Oh, we gotta crawl here. Crawl. The All-Star Game has been delayed due to inclement weather in Chicago. CBS Sports will return to Wrigley Field when the game resumes. Thanks, New York. 911. The call came into the Whatcom County 911 Center at 12:30 p.m. Prospect Medic One and welcome an aid call. Rescue soldiers. Dispatch. Were immediately dispatched. Professional paramedics with more training and equipment were called in for backup. By this time, Tim had also enlisted the aid of Forrester Brock Sherrow and his co-workers, who had been out inspecting logging sites. If you're wondering what kind of emergency was going on, we figured it was a logging accident. Until he stopped where there was no obvious logging going on. I just tried to concentrate on Arnie. I prayed a lot. It's a helpless feeling. When I got there, I looked at oh. this uh, person and thought that there's no way this guy can be alive. I'm going, hi, I'm Brock. I'm here to help you. And the victim goes, well, hi, I'm Arnie, which just amazed me that this guy was conscious even because he was didn't look like uh, anybody that should even be alive, let alone talking to me. Ruby Hockett, a former EMT, took charge of Arnie's care. He had lost quite a bit of his left arm, and his left ear was gone. I asked him how he was doing and, and whatnot. I didn't want him to go into shock. The Welcome Station Volunteer Fire Department ambulance arrived first. From what paramedic Denise Christensen had been told, she expected to find a logging accident. And you're thinking, okay, now what am I getting into? You know, a possible amputation. That's one of the worst thing, scenarios you can think of as, as far as going to. So on the way there, we, we prepare ourselves. You try not to think about what you're getting into. Now, try to think about uh, what you're going to do when you get there. In 1989? Oh. We weren't prepared yeah. for the type of in an ambulance? Oh, yeah. It wasn't just a, an arm amputation. In fact, the arm amputation was easily controlled. What we were worried about was all of Arnie's facial injuries and his internal injuries. It was amazing because he had a thousand pieces of copper wire in his face. I couldn't comprehend that. I was amazed that Arnie had a stable blood pressure and was not in shock at this point. And I said, I want this guy on a spine board and I want to get him out of here now because the next set of vitals was getting lower and Arnie was starting to shake. So you knew shock was, was inevitable. Within 15 minutes, the Bellingham Fire Department was also on the scene, headed by paramedic Jerry Shear. We had communications with the volunteers on their arrival. Well, they uh, stated they had to go up the creek for about a half a mile or so, and that we would probably need a helicopter. I didn't know exactly what an explosion like that would do to a hand. I thought they had just been severed. You know, I could put it in the river or something like that. Anything I could find, part of his ear, anything, you know, there's probably a good chance if I could keep it cold, 
that it could be reattached, but the explosion was so powerful that it was just, there was no recovery or anything like that. The worry was that there was no safe place nearby for the helicopter to land in the dense forest. We were afraid that we would have to load him on our ambulance and take him down about five miles down the logging road to get to the helicopter. And uh, we did manage to coordinate with this DNR individual there that had a map and get the helicopter to come in and take a look at this bridge and see if they felt like they could land on it. You know, it's a very complicated thing because, yeah, you got to land this helicopter in the middle of the woods during this rescue. Yeah, in the middle of the woods. You have to find the clearing, make sure it fits the helicopter, land on the clearing, and then somehow make it to the rescue site. Yeah, so this is a very complicated process that they have to do. So, all right, let's continue here. The air ambulance helicopter pilot decided to try to land on the logging bridge. And we get another crawl, letting us know the All-Star game has been delayed due to the rain. I kept saying to myself, Arnie, keep breathing, keep having a heartbeat. One of those things that you just hope that everything goes right. But we're just lucky in heck that the helicopter could land within 300 yards without having to go a mile two miles 22 years we're going through our mind every single thing silly things like sitting around playing risk board games and you know goofing around that's when reality hit me it's like a stone wall right then it's going man you know things aren't going to be the same i just almost wanted to be god and put them back together Two months later, Arnie has recovered, but he lost an eye as well as his hand. I remember it really bothered me because it felt like uh, the stick of dynamite was still in my hand. I could still feel that stick in my hand. And as soon as my hand was there, I couldn't open it up and drop it. That really disturbed me. My brain has a spot for my hand, so it, uh, it just it doesn't, doesn't let it go yet. Arnie's mother is more accepting. You, you've got to look at the positive things. You, you know, life goes on, and being yeah. mad is not going to give him a hand back. Going and having a prosthesis make, made will give him some function. And, uh, and we just, just do the best we can and go on. Oh, look, they're playing a board game. To some extent. Because it's it's not a board game, it's risk. Oh, um, yeah. Every time I got down, I just thought how good he was doing. I, I guess that's pretty funny candy, that they're playing a, a game of risk <laughs> after this happened, I guess. I've never been envious of people that are uh, that had more money than me or had, could run faster than me or were stronger than me or were smarter than me. So I'm not going to be envious of people that have like more hands than me or more eyes than me, including, you know, how I used to be. I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to. You know, do the best I can with what I've got. And that's all you can ask anyone. All right. It's my new attitude. I think it's, it's a great attitude to have. Yes. Yep. Next. We're doing 80, 90 miles an hour up the road. I also knew they were armed, and I was hoping that they wouldn't start shooting. Ooh. 
That would have been so. What are you doing after this? Let me think. Today's Tuesday. Hey, remember when talking babies used to be a big thing? Oh, yeah. Flame broiled chicken. I hear it's fabulous. You know, the talking babies, they love the original Burger King chicken sandwich. Whole different taste. Yeah. What would your dad get? That's my mom. The original chicken sandwich. Chicken tenders. Chicken so few teeth. Yeah. Hey, this is Burger King. BK forever and chicken. Like they say, sometimes you got to break the rules. So that's what they mean by that. When something's bugging your town. Oh no! Delbert Clintock, infestation manager. Delbert the Bugbuster. Rock and roll! He's searching for Oh yeah, arachnophobia, baby. Looking for action. Get John Goodman to kill those busting bugs and anything else that gets in his way. No room for amateurs in this game. Hollywood Pictures and Adlin Entertainment present Jeff Daniels, John Goodman. I'm bad. Arachnophobia, a thrillomedy. Rated PG 13. National Sneak Preview this Saturday night. Gary, it's time I taught you something every man should know. How to eat an Oreo oh, cookie. Yes. Here's yours. Twist it on. Twist it. Oh, Twist it. Lick it. Lick it. It's hard to have. And then you put the thing back and you dunk it in the milk. Dunk it, just like a professional basketball player. Now you get it. And next week, how to butter and toast. Be all set. A tragic accident leaves one man dead. I hit the guy. But with a bizarre twist. Another car was involved. And Jake fights to save his friend on Jake and the Fat Man. Then, a crowded passenger train leaves its tracks. I've never seen a train derailment of that magnitude before. A special episode of Rescue 911, Wednesday. Ooh. Okay. Every weekend, the DeGrazia Winery in Brookfield, Connecticut is open for tasting and tours. Hundreds of people visit the small, family-run business each day. In late September of 1988, the DeGrazia family found out that not all their visitors were as friendly or as innocent as they seemed. Through the investigation, I was able to determine that the suspects had left Texas and traveled eastward. And again, never letting us know about the rain delay. One of the individuals who was on parole for murder from the state of Texas. On Sunday afternoon, the two felons drove up to the small winery. Barbara DeGrazia was in the crowded tasting room. There were two gentlemen who wanted to see the owners. I felt and thought to myself they were definitely out-of-towners. I said I would bring them to my husband and he could discuss whatever business he needed to with him. I did. Oh no, well, no, don't talk I, to this bad man. He's a bad man. Two gentlemen. One was very articulate and wanted to discuss the possibility of purchasing our wines to be sold and shipped to California. Uh, his friend never really entered into the conversation but kept on looking around the winery. Come with me. We'll go in the back room. Oh, thank you. Yeah, watch right. your step in now. You've you been up here before? No, no, it's a The next day, I drove down the driveway. A truck pulled in and stopped parallel to me. In the truck, Barbara recognized the two men from the previous day. So I just told him, my son is at home and he'd be very happy to help you. Barbara's 24-year-old son, Mark Langford, was the only one home at the winery that morning. They discussed purchasing several cases of wine. During the course of this conversation, one of the individuals pulled a gun on him and told him that this was a robbery. Oh! Hands up! Come on, now, come around. Huh? 
I'm not around. Want all the wine. Just all of it. At that point in time, they pulled the gun on Mark and they took him back into the house. His hands were bound with duct tape and they immediately started to ransack the house. They made a point of telling him that they wanted jewelry. Uh, when he told them that there wasn't any jewelry, they insisted that there had to be more jewelry and that they would wait for Mark's mother to come home. Just relax. The men ripped out all the telephones, then used the cords to tie Mark securely to a chair. He had no idea what they were planning to do next. On the winery's security system of closed-circuit cameras, Mark could see the armed robber's truck parked out front. That's weird. He announced that he was going to go outside and wait for my mother. He said, don't move, don't do anything stupid, and you won't get hurt. I thought about my mother getting kidnapped or worse, or you know what they would do to her once they got back. And I knew she would be back any minute. With the rocking chair still tied to his oh, side, he Mark stood up with the rocking to the chair still on. And turn it back on. I saw that their truck was not in the driveway. Okay, I just thought the worst. I remember the, the upstairs security phone. camera back on. I thought to myself, uh, this is my only like, chance to okay, do something. I got to do something. He made his way upstairs and dialed 911. Dispatcher Mike Baldasti took the call. It was about 12:15. Got a call on 911. Person screaming into the phone. I've just been robbed. I've just been robbed. He went on to state there were two white males and they drove away in a red pickup truck. I told him, hold on, went over the radio, headquarters, all units, and a signal 13, which is an armed robbery. Two suspects heading towards Route 133 in a red pickup truck, possible Texas plates. Brookfield police officer Bruce Scott was the first to respond. On my way to the scene, I noticed that vehicle description with the same two occupants headed past me. I turned the vehicle around proceeded after them, and they started to speed up. Oh, we got a chase the going on. on. The siren, and they just paid no attention to it. They kept going. <laughs> pretty high speeds. We're doing 80, 90 miles an hour up the road. Thank God people were pulling out of the way. I didn't want to see anybody get hurt. I also knew they were armed, and I was hoping that they wouldn't start shooting. When Officer Scott came back on the radio and advised me he was not able to stop the vehicle that they were running from, I again went over the radio and advised the other units this could be the suspects, in which time Sergeant Senior and Officer Wal Miller headed towards Officer Scott's location. 303 will be in route. Mark was on the line with me, and when I advised him that we had a vehicle in sight and we were, we were I gotta say, it, he seemed pretty happy. The 911 kind of call operators, the real heroes. Of I was within 10 to 15 feet of them traveling, maybe True. 70 to 80 miles an hour. It was hard to hard to stay behind them, but how these people can remain so calm this and composed during these moments? The site. You gotta have like a lot of courage to do that. 
I notified New Milford Police Department just north of us and that we are in pursuit of this vehicle, this red pickup. New Milford Officer John D. Giovanni joined the chase. I got a call on my radio that the town of Brookfield Police Department was chasing a, a red truck into our town. To coordinate the chase across two townships, all information had to be relayed through dispatcher Baldasti. I was constantly advising the dispatcher as to my location at all times so that they could let New Milford know where I was and also let my fellow officers from Brookfield know where I was. But because they couldn't talk to each other directly, valuable time was lost. All right, we've got a roadblock. They were just non-stop all the way up the road. They almost oh, wanted a Milford detectable. Oh, crap. Block the road they drove off. right through the road rock. They weren't going to stop. Uh-oh. They had to switch I advised them, look, the Milford plans on setting up a roadblock. And the next thing I know, I get over the radio. They just ran that roadblock. You know what? Watching this, you know what it makes me want to do? It wants me to play Chase Headquarters on the, uh... The chase became extremely dangerous. I remember that. Area as well yeah, as it the was officers great and the occupants of the truck. Our Captain McCormick set up a, another roadblock and he positioned his police cruiser across the oh, road. Oh no, what's going to happen here? There was no way they were going to get around it. There's no way they can get around this roadblock. Oh, they're screwed. First thing in my mind when they stopped the vehicle was to make sure that they were surrendering and weren't going to start anything else at this point. We didn't want the situation to escalate. We approached the passenger side of the truck and ordered the passenger out of the truck. We really didn't want to get out of the truck. Not much to our amazement. Don't move your hands. Bring the other hand around. Where's the gun? Where's the gun? McCall actually was instrumental in apprehending the suspects. The dispatcher did a fantastic job. He got the information and gave it out over the air immediately, and that's what led to the capture of the suspects. Yeah, John. Oh, that's great. I think Mark should be credited. He acted very bravely in what he did. If he had waited out of fear or anything like that, they would have been long gone. The two suspects both had prior arrest records. They were convicted of first-degree robbery and sentenced to seven and a half years in prison. Good. And looking back, I'm thankful that I had a chance to help the police take two career criminals off the street. You know, I was scared for my life, I was scared for my mother's life, uh, but I knew I had to do something to put all the fear aside. How you guys doing up there, huh? A year has passed. The DeGrazia family has gone on with their lives and running the family winery. But Barbara DeGrazia can't forget what her son Mark did for her. Mark worked very, very frantically to call 911. And I know in my heart, he didn't want his mother to be hurt. 
When I think about the bravery Mark showed during this incident, I feel very, very proud of him. And it warms my heart. I love him for that. That's sweet. Indeed. Fire truck. In baseball. Oh, Detroit is 11. Century 21. You're playing somewhere else tomorrow. I know. I've played for the Twins, the Rangers, the Angels, and then some. And when you've got to move fast, you can't worry about selling your house. I let the Century 21 people worry about that. I trust them. And nobody works harder to get the job done. Hey, I love Century 21. Hey, Bert. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You got a second? I just wish I wasn't such a good customer. Look at that. just pulled out a Century 21 sign. <laughs> he has, uh... He has some experience in moving. Hey, that's why Chris Bourbon gave him the nickname... Burt be home by 11. <laughs> One of the best Chris Bourbon nicknames ever. But remember, each Century 21 office is independently owned and operated. So you know you're getting quality service. That's me, Tommy Lasorda. Oh, Tommy Lasorda for Slim Fast. In three months with the Ultra Slim Fast plan. He's half the man he used to be. June. And the big news <laughs> is... I haven't gained an ounce back. The plan is easy. I had a delicious By the way, Tommy was sort of baseball for, for the sake of Genesis. And a sensible dinner. I feel really great, good game. And I'm never going Very to Very underrated like uh, baseball hey, game on the Genesis. If I can do it, you can do it. Ultra Slim Fast. Give us a week. We'll take off the weight. Is it essentially a protein shake? Yeah. This series is dedicated to those real heroes who answer our calls for help and risk everything to save the life of a stranger. I'm William Shatner. Join us again next week for more true stories on Rescue 911. Oh, reminder. This is from WCAU Channel 10 now and NBC affiliate. Letting us know that certain areas do not have 911 numbers area so i guess it just wouldn't say here hold on a second bucks chester montgomery and delaware counties do not have 911 service please check with your town for the proper police and fire emergency numbers of course this is uh, 1990 so that might have all changed by now yeah it probably has all changed by now so Okay. And of, and of course, if, if it hasn't changed, well, message us at the station and we'll look into it. Yeah. By the way, very special thanks to all of the police and fire emergency services that make this show possible. Yes. This was certainly a crazy episode of Rescue 911. A little bit, yeah. We had someone's arm getting blown off, and we had a high-speed chase involving a winery. Yeah, it's like, it's like, who robs a winery? Why would you rob a winery? You couldn't rob a bank. You had to rob this winery run by this sweet woman 
and you had to make her son's life miserable? What the hell? That's just... Come on, who does that? No. Well, not that I'm going to justify the actions of the robbers, but the winery looked like it was a pretty rural, out-of-the-way location. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes it a little bit easier. I mean, how many banks are there? I know there's banks, obviously, in rural America, but I sort of understand it. Sort of. I mean, I, I don't, don't, I don't condone. No, we don't robbery we don't, or anything like that. We but. don't condone robbery on this podcast. No, we do not support doing things that could land you in prison. We that's where we draw the foot down. But not I will happen. Say, no. But, Mike, you did mention to us that this episode is actually available on demand, I believe. Well, actually, all, or at least what looks like to be all, of Rescue 911's episodes are on demand on Pluto TV. Plus, also, they do have a 24-7 Rescue 911 channel. Yeah, that's right. I was watching a couple episodes from the channel this morning, and there was this crazy episode where, like, and maybe we could include it because we are going to do a WTF stories of Rescue 911. There was a, like a woman who fell off a balcony for four stories and landed on concrete. And lived. And lived. That's nuts. What? I gotta say, but I, as I mentioned, the 911 operators that are featured in this show we got to give these people tremendous props because how these people can remain so cool under pressure. And the one guy who was coordinating with the police officers in the two different towns to try to stop the um, robbers. I can't even imagine what would go through your head during that moment. But this guy did, he did his job and he ought to be commended for it. So we thank him very much, and especially all the people on Rescue 911 that work tremendously to save countless lives. I'll say this. While we were waiting for the 1990 MLB All-Star game to resume at Wrigley Field, we got this thing on TV. Yes, we did. And, of course, you know what happened after midnight. Well, 1 o'clock here on the East Coast. We had a 2-0 victory. And was that for the National League, I believe it was? That was for the American League, silly. Thank you. I mentioned that was the third straight year they won. There you go. Well, I hope you enjoy... Hold on a second. Oh, wait, wait. I got a joke here. You know what John Chuck would say? About the All-Star Game Rain Delay. All-Star Game Rain Delay. That's outrageous. And on that disappointment. It's time to end. Um, Remember all of our episodes. Are available at. It was a thing on TV.com. We're talking about episodes. Live shows. Mini shows. uh, Remasters. And of course the occasional episode. Of Presents. Like the one Greg did all by himself. Good for you, Greg. I and might we, be doing another one soon. Well, and also, we are on all social media, and it was a thing on TV, uh, except for uh, Facebook, 
I don't have a joke prepared here. Sorry. Uh, hey, hey, let's just say this about Facebook. And at least they weren't in a hostile takeover involving someone who might be on Maury Povich soon. I'm laughing because I see what you did there. Again, the Ron Glass. Anyway, uh, if you are looking for us on Facebook, we are in It Was A Thing On TV podcast. And of course, if you find us on YouTube, do not forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. So you can stay up to date on all of our future entries. For example, uh, coming next week. Oh, next week we've got a couple of really good ones. Uh, First one. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a short-lived show. I know. Shocker, right? But hey, at least this gives us an excuse to talk about Elaine Joyce. Mm Mm-hmm. And Phil Morris. That is true. We are going to be talking about Phil Morris on this episode. And actually, I just saw this last night. Did you see that Phil Morris is Jackie Childs? Oh, yeah, He's I told you about that. That's the uh, the ad, right? Promoting uh, Snyder's of whoever's pretzels? Snyder's yeah. of Hanover pretzels, yeah. Yeah, I saw that on Freeview oh, while watching uh, episodes of Young Rock Season 1 a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I just saw that on uh, Terrestrial TV for the first time last night. So I think next week I'll have to get a bag of Snyder's of uh, Hanover uh, pretzel bites. So we've got that. Plus we have... Uh, Two short-lived game shows, one that premiered off the back of the other one. And the reason why I put this on the schedule, Mike, is because when we did Rudolph's Shitey New Year, you were like, Oh, we get to have this show forever! Yay! To which I replied, Oh, God, no. Why would we want to watch this forever? I did watch both of the shows in question for uh, next Thursdays. Why would we want that show forever? Now, hold on. One of the shows I liked. One of the shows I absolutely agree with you about. But interestingly enough, I don't think uh, the episode that I'm going to talk about next week is in circulation on the trading circuit. There's a third episode of one of these two shows that somebody streamed about a month ago, and I got details. They got the deets. I got the deets. Okay. So we'll find out about all the deets. But yeah, you have anything else you want to add? No, just come on back here next week for two fresh new episodes of It Was a Thing on TV. That's right. And we'll see you right here next Monday. Wow! Hey, watch, watch where you're going, you dumbass! Well, i dumbass on you! <laughs> Only someone like William Shatner can deliver a line as great as double dumbass on you! <laughs>